Hello everyone, I am Logan Bolds, head of school at Stratford Academy in Macon, Georgia, and welcome to our fourth Carline Conversation podcast. We were floored that we had over 125 downloads of our first three episodes, and we're looking forward to sharing this month's topic with you. If you haven't had the chance, please visit the Eagle Extra website off the Stratford website and read the blog article for this month's topics, Why Readers Succeed. Today, I have three very special guests with me. First, we have Miss Daryl McDavid, who is a member of our English department and was the former assistant editor at Random House. Miss Beth Davis, who has taught in private and public schools for more than 35 years and today serves as the director of our Olson Library. And Miss Natalie Piles, who currently teaches fourth grade reading and grammar and has more than 15 years of teaching experience. Okay, guys, to jump right into the topic, why do readers succeed? Miss Davis. I think one of the most important things that makes every reader it's they're excited about the content so that they pick what they would like to read. So Absolutely. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Think about the things that we like to read. We go we gravitate towards where our interests are and that's that's a that's an excellent point. Miss McDavid. I think readers succeed and I'll touch on this in just a little bit because their brains quite literally develop differently mm -hmm. than non-readers um, but they also succeed and I think uh, this is a, a strong point um, because they have a stronger understanding of not just the world around them from their reading but also of themselves and going back all the way to the ancient Greek sages, Plato, Socrates, the Oracle at Delphi, that maxim to know thyself. And sure. that's what books introduce young readers to is the human experience. And through the human experience, they come to a deeper understanding of themselves. Sure, very well said. Now, Ms. Piles, as a lower school teacher, we've got our kids in our most kind of formative stages of their reading. What do you see as some of the most important ways that you can support them and encourage them to be these lovers of of reading? Well, it is a very pivotal moment um, in their lives. Up until fourth grade, they're basically just learning how to read. Sure. Um, and at this point, they are now reading to learn. And 85% of what they learn for the rest of their lives is going to involve reading. Sure. So it's so important. So yeah. important. Um, I think my job is to just inspire them to love it and then to teach them how to be a smart, savvy reader, to know what to look for and how to approach a text. I try to make reading a social experience um, through book clubs and reading circles and partner share, and we do book tastings in fourth grade. Um, especially for reluctant readers or struggling readers, I think treating it like a social experience is important because we all have a natural drive to want to share our experiences. Sure. And I think that includes reading. You want to share your responses. You want to share your reactions to what you're reading. Um, and so by doing that, it makes reading less of an isolating experience, less of a solitary one. I think it's important to expose them, like Beth said, to a variety of just to an unlimited amount of materials in different reading levels. Um, across genres so that they can choose. Absolutely. And I think what's really important too is, as we said, the social experience, the exposure to as many texts as possible so that they can continue na to navigate their own likes and dislikes. And I think about, you know, the books that we've all read independently of, of not being forced to read these texts, but finding books that you're really passionate about and then falling in love with an author and falling in love with a series or a genre and then being so addicted to it. And it continues to cultivate that love of learning, love of reading so early on in such formative stages, regardless of the stage that we're trying to get our students engaged in. Um, now, Daryl, how do you think reading digitally has changed the way our children are reading? I know that there are pros and some cons, so kind of walk us through that. 
Well, I think we're obviously living in an era of explosion of reading, sure. right? I mean, even 150 years ago, books really weren't widely available for everyday families. Yeah. And so we're suddenly living in a world where we're reading all the time, text messages, Wikipedia sites, emails, even in the era of TikTok, uh, sure. users distinguish themselves by their pithy handles or phrases they have pop up on the screens yeah, around them. So in a lot of ways, we have this very obvious pro that reading and text to read are just so much more available and they're around us all the time. Uh, one of the cons actually that's really interesting, there's sort of some new research about this and new, a couple of new books that have been published on this, that uh, deep reading, what we call kind of immersive reading, which is what happens with a book, uh, creates these complex cognitive functions in your brain and your brain actually rewires itself when you're in this immersive reading state. And what the research has shown is that when we read on screens, so whether it's computers or cell phones or whatever, they call the, the reading that we do, our eyes shift and mm -hmm. dart. Mm -hmm. And you can probably see that. Sure, I mean, you I can guess. imagine yeah. this on a screen as you're scrolling and shifting and darting and there are ads popping up and all of this. And so you're prevented, actually, on a screen, even if it's a Kindle book, you're prevented from entering that immersive state oh, where your brain actually rewires itself. So in, a w in some ways, you know, we're in this incredible world of reading, but in other ways, we have to be really conscious about the kind of reading choices we're making and whether we might want to take a trip to the bookstore that weekend sure. and pick up a novel for the beach rather than taking our tablet. Sure. So. That's, a real, that's, really, that's very accurate. I think about myself, the things that I read on a screen versus what I read in a book. And the whole idea of like, you know, when you I truly get lost in a book, you're yeah. so, uh, that deeper reading where you're, I don't know if I've ever gotten lost on a website. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the yeah, idea right. of having, being so tuned in <laughs> that you're, you're tuning out everything else. Yeah. So that is a yeah. excellent distinction. Especially notifications popping oh, up. Oh, constantly, right? That. You're constantly yeah. distracted to where you can't yeah. achieve that like deeper reading mode. Yeah. Sure. And Absolutely. every year students come to us and they have less reading stamina. Mm. And I think that's part of it too. Yeah. You don't have to have a lot of stamina for some of that type of right. reading. Right. And if you, don't have it it's difficult and sure. especially the older you get in yeah. high school and which is why those younger yeah. grades are so important to, to develop those again mm -hmm. those formative years develop to, that to create that love yeah. and for that stamina and yeah. having uninterrupted reading time sure. is one of the reasons that they succeed and when you're on a device you yeah. tend to stop and start yeah. Right. Yeah. you're very your interrupted on a yes. device there's no doubt <laughs> And now, Beth, not, you know, not every reader finds immediate success. It does sometimes take a long time. And you all talk about the stamina and stuff, so maybe they don't have stamina and eventually try to cultivate it you know, within them. For many students, it's actually a struggle and a challenge. So what advice would you give to parents and teachers who want to support these readers? Well, I think being positive mm -hmm. in all of their reading endeavors, whether or not you're a teacher or the parent, I really feel like that's one of the, the most important things. Have a positive environment for them to read. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have positive things to say. Let them select their own books. If they would rather read a sports book than a history book, then, you know, just, just being positive sure. about what they do. And I think that even in high school, um, I have students that come in the Olson Library and they're hooked on a mystery series. And it might not be something that I like, but I 
try to interact with them right. and be positive. Sure. So I think that really helps. It's, no just, yeah. it's just giving them a chance to read what they do like. Some, uh, that, for sure. Yeah. And something I try to encourage young families like myself is how important it is to model reading in front of mm -hmm. your children. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about how important it is when I complain that, oh, my own daughter won't sit down with this book and study it. And I think, well, when is the last time I have modeled doing that in mm -hmm. front of her as opposed to just turning on the TV or opening up the laptop or looking at my phone? So modeling is so important at these yeah. young ages particularly. Well, and I love what Beth said, too, about the freedom of choice, mm -hmm. of allowing them to, you know, giving them that kind of opportunity to chart their own course in reading. You know, so much of school reading is, oh, you have to read this book for sure. class. You have to read this for summer reading. And so, yeah, just encouraging that, that sense of freedom around Absolutely. it as well. Now, looking back as adults, is there a particular book that you read in school or a genre that you feel like uh, made an impact on you personally? Everything I read, <laughs> everything I read in high school and college has made an impact on me personally. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's why I became an English teacher. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But um, there's one book that, ha there's one short story that has sort of stuck with me, for better or worse, over the course of the last 50 odd years. Um, and it's called Those Who Walk, it's called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelas. And it's by Ursula Le Guin. Mm. And um, basically it forces the reader to ask themselves, what amount of human suffering or what injustice am I willing to accept or tolerate to preserve my own way of life or to protect and my, my own happiness? And I think that's a question that everybody needs to ask themselves at one time or another, or at least understand that sometimes our cushy lives and our status quo is built on the misfortune of others or groups. So I just think that was, it. and sure. over the course of the years, things will happen in politics or in my own personal life or at school, and I will be reminded of that book sure. and that mm -hmm. question. So yeah, the lingering effects, and it, again, and that's so great yeah. when you read something yeah. and it stays with you for such a long yeah, period of time. So yeah. So yeah, it's like slap yeah. in face. Yeah. Yeah. David, anything come to well, mind? Well, I think I mean I'm I'm with Miss Piles obviously as an English teacher. So many things I read had an impact on me, but I think actually, and this sort of ties into you, I, I vividly remember reading and studying Nathaniel Hawthorne's The Scarlet Letter. Mm -hmm. And I think in, when we were in high school and reading it, it was the first time that symbolism suddenly came to life for me. This idea that these sort of small objects, you know, the, the scarlet A mm -hmm. on her chest could have this, this immense impact and hold this power of emotion and depth of experience and kind of relate to this greater, wider world, and it's all contained in this one tiny symbol. And so I think like, like Ms. Powell layers. says, you know, just being able to put all of this background of human experience into reading, into a story, and be able to share this with someone else, be able to say, you know, let me tell you a story, and then have that story impact their them for the rest of their life because they can hold on to sure. these small tangible things the Absolutely. scarlet letter yeah so. that's very yeah no, no doubt miss davis <laughs> i love the great gatsby it's a great um so the characters in the great gatsby just throughout life i could remember daisy doing mm -hmm. certain things yeah, and so i think <laughs> yeah i think that that's you know mm -hmm. a memorable book for me would be 
the times that I read it in high school, then I read it in college, and then I reread it recently. Yeah, so I mean, to continue to have it, continue to have you it, remember it. Yeah. So it's it's just like their examples. It's just something that stuck with me. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. And then going along with that, your all-time favorite book title. It might be Great Gatsby still, but your all-time favorite book. And I can think for me, and it was because I was a child when they were released, was Harry Potter, the entire Harry Potter mm -hmm. series. That is what took a kid who really had no interest in reading and hadn't cultivated an interest yet and started a lifelong love of reading. And to the point now where I don't discriminate between any genre. I will read anything that is put in front of me. And I, and I, I could... I would like to attest to the fact that I believe Harry Potter started a love of that, of just literature and of reading. Absolutely. And so what do you think? All-time favorite books, what comes to mind? <laughs> Ms. McDavid, uh, you look like well, you, brought, brought you brought a prop for us today. Because <laughs> it just happened to be on my shelf. Um, the Once in Future King by T.H. White mm -hmm. is about the rise and fall of, of Arthur's Camelot. Mm -hmm. And um, as a former publisher as well, I respect to no end to the people who write these flap copies. And this one's so short and so good that I just have to read it because it, it just encompasses it all. Mm -hmm. The whole world knows and loves this book. It's the magical epic of King Arthur and his shining Camelot, of Merlin and Owl and Guinevere, of beasts who talk and men who fly, of wizardry and war. It is the book of all things lost and wonderful and sad. It is the fantasy masterpiece by which all others are judged. Wow. And that's I think, powerful. yeah, it's just, it's, I mean, like Harry Potter, it's this yeah. just immensely incredible book. Sure, yeah. sure. Ms. Piles? I cannot pick the book that I <laughs> love that's good. the most. I, re I mean, I just really can't. I love so many. I love Harry Potter. Like, sure. such a fan. I won't even read The Cursed Child because I don't want to no, in any way disgrace my memory. I'm the same way. I don't want... I want it to just be or the dragons book the other one that came out this new series this oh born i know I, yeah. I refuse to move on from like the original but yeah one of okay so i haven't always taught fourth grade and i've really enjoyed getting into like middle school literature because that wasn't really around when i was coming along mm -hmm. i mean we had like tales of fourth grade nothing and then it went straight to high school um but walk two moons by sharon mm -hmm. creech mm -hmm. is an excellent like middle grades novel or if you're you know, a strong fourth or fifth grade reader, it'd be great for you too. It's a little difficult to get into, but it just celebrates the art of storytelling. Mm -hmm. There's so much in it. The quacky, wacky grandparents and the quest to find oneself and there's an actual journey involved and there's mystery. And it's just such a sweet, yeah. I don't know, hopeful book. Sure. I love that one. That sounds great. Ms. Davis, are we going to stick with Great Gatsby? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, because I have a background in lower school, mm -hmm. um, I, I selected some lower school ones that are my favorites. Yeah. And it reminds me of my childhood. They're all fairy tales. I think fairy tales are sure. so important mm -hmm. to read. I love R Little Red Riding Hood, Three Little Pigs. I'll have to say probably The Three Little Pigs is my favorite. <laughs> it's your favorite. <laughs> it's a favorite. Well, it's great, too, because it not only encourages a love of reading, because the topics are so easy right. for young children to yeah. latch to, but also the idea of imagination and stuff that just is so yeah. important and for kids. What's so neat about fairy tales now is we might have six versions of Jack sure. and the that Beanstalk, very true. eight of the Little Red Hen, and to study those with children and then sure. do a culminating mm -hmm. activity. But probably fairy tales are my favorite. Absolutely. Yeah. And all the ways that people have rewritten them, too. I mean, it, you get into more advanced reading where people have gone back and taken these fairy tales and 
turned yeah, them on they're his so head. They're so complex now, yeah. You know? yeah, and turn them on their um, head. And from a different point of view. From, I mean, it's, it's incredible. They're these sort of nugget stories that just last and last and last, sure. yeah. Well, thank you three very much for being here. Um, if it's not obvious enough, you can see why readers succeed because I have three lovers of reading sitting in front of me who I would say are quite successful. So um, thank you for joining us for our fourth Carline Conversation. Again, you can find these on the Eagle Extra website on the Stratford website, and we look forward to uh, many more in the months to come. Thank you.